0: Good morning, everybody. Thank you. That was a beautiful introduction. I hope I can live up to that. <laughs> oh man, y'all really got it going on here. <laughs> uh, my name is Gail, and I am a grateful member of Al-Anon, and and I'm also very blessed. And uh, I I want to tell you that when I first came into the program. Uh, we went to a lot of speaker meetings, and, uh, you know, I just, I just wanted to be a speaker. They were so wise, and, and people would laugh, and they'd hug them afterwards. And uh, besides the fact that I didn't have anything to share, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't know you had to do anything to get ready to do this. Um, You know, that was my desire until I was asked to speak at a local meeting. And then I, you know, I haven't had that desire since then. (laughs) Because it's real stressful to me. Um, I want to introduce my husband. He's the drill sergeant they talked about last night. This is my husband. Stand up, please. (laughs) He's my chauffeur, my friend, and my lover, and sometimes he's my partner in crime. <laughs>
1: um,
0: you know, sometimes I get kind of long winded, and the taper will be in the back, and he'll be doing it
1: like this, and and I say, oh, yeah, and
0: Tom and I got married, and and everything's fine. And, you know, that's all I ever say. So I thought I'd kind of address that. And and, um, we married, both of us in the program. And uh, my husband's been a good example to me uh, when it comes to love and service. And so I was thinking, you know, like Tuesday night, we is sponsoring these two guys, and, and he has them scheduled back-to-back, and so we have, you know, we have new people coming in, and I'm so grateful for the program because I understand how important that is, and he understands how important it is for me to keep my own commitments and to take time out of my life to sponsor the people I sponsor. Uh, and so I'm, I just... You know, I I want to say that up front, how much I I love this program, how much I appreciate Alcoholics Anonymous and and what it gave us, and also what it's given to the people in in my life uh, that suffer from this disease that I love so much. Um, In our meetings, we read the welcome, and then we have a statement of purpose, and the very last sentence of the statement of purpose is that uh, we remind people that we keep the focus on us and not the alcoholic, and I'm going to try to do that. You know, I got up real early this morning, and I've been asking God to relieve me of the bondage itself, and I'm just believing He's going to do it. Um, I'm just a little country girl, and um, there's been times in my life I didn't want to be a little country girl, but I'm... You know, I'm I'm on Medicare now, and I, I just don't think I'm going to get over it. Uh,
1: <laughs> um,
0: but because of the program, you know, I've really come to appreciate uh, where I came from, uh, what I was given, um, and also um, just the fact that I believe that God gives us, you know, we come from wherever we're supposed to and he gets us to where we're going. Um, I had nice parents, lovely parents. Um, When I hear people talk about um, some of the the things that occurred in their childhood, it makes me that much more grateful. And you know, they weren't perfect, but none of us are, and we all make mistakes. Um... So, you know, I'm just this little country girl, and I don't know much about anything. And it was expected of me to go to college. And that was very, very important um, to my parents because neither of my parents graduated from high school. and So uh, they had worked really hard and saved, and it was expected we'd go to college, and I did that. And I can tell you that I did not have a plan. I had living one day at a time down pat back
1: then, (laughs) you know,
0: I was just kind of going along and enjoying life, and so I went off to college, and I did what was expected of me, um, you know, I studied real hard, and I knew this, you know, it was really important to my parents, and when I was a senior, I moved out in an apartment with some other girls, and, uh, there was a lot of students living in this apartment and complex and I would see this guy walk by. And, you know, he had the right color hair and, and he had a car.
1: <laughs>
0: I, you know, that's how I picked my life partners.
1: <laughs> and, uh, whatever.
0: And, you know, and, it, I think probably in any college, you know, there's a lot of drinking and things, and, and I was pretty naive, and um, and I think there was some other stuff going on, but I was too dumb to catch on to that, and I didn't drink too much, and I certainly didn't, wasn't taking drugs, you know, I was too square for that. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, I kind of chased him until he caught me. I, Made, put myself in his path every chance I could get, and, uh, and there were all kinds of signs. I mean, everybody's talked about it. It, it was so interesting to me that uh, everybody that got up to the podium, with the exception of Mr. Fabulous, <laughs> told my story, and that's the gift of the program, the gift of identification, So, uh, anyway, uh, you know, it's the 60s, and I got pregnant, and we got married, and that's just kind of how we did it in the 60s, and um, I used to, didn't like to tell that from the podium, but it's a fact, and uh, so, you know, about six weeks into this deal, I, you know, I thought, oh, my God, there's... My first hint, of course, he was drinking all along, but my, I mean, it was more than a hint. It was like a wake-up call that uh, we were in our little house, and, um, and he was wasted. And he was at a party, and he was talking to people, and there wasn't anybody there, but me and him.
1: <laughs> you know,
0: after a while, you, you begin to wonder: Is it? Is are they really here? And I'm not. <laughs> is it? Is it me or him? <laughs> I, I thought, man, there is just something really bad. Wrong. I, I mean, I've been around people who drank, and I've been around people who who were drunk. But I, I don't, I've never witnessed anything like that. And you know, at first, I, I, I had that idea. Well, you know, if I'm just perfect, and I be the perfect wife you know all I had to go on was what my mother did and you know my mother was there every day when we got home from school and she had supper on the stove and we sat down as a family and ate and uh, she kept the house spotless and she washed our clothes and ironed them and did all those things and so I thought you know that was my first idea well if I just be a good enough wife you know uh, he'll just see that he needs to change and uh, while we he was working we were living in missouri it's the only time I've lived out of the state of Arkansas and we lived there for six months and and uh, you know while we were there he got a DWI now back in that little town that I was raised in you know we whispered about the people whose names were in the paper because they got a the DWI and and he got gotten a DWI, and he's the night in jail. I, I mean, there's just stuff going on that I don't have any experience with. And so I just decided, well, first of all, let me say, you know, that I, when I did my inventory, I went back to that. And I would have told you that I could have gotten out. You know, I could have gotten out of that situation right then. And I said I didn't do it because I loved him. But the reason I didn't do it was that I was too proud to go home and tell my parents I would made a big mistake. And my pride has uh, put me in a lot of trouble precarious position. And so I made the decision that uh, he obviously, I passed judgment on him. I decided he obviously was lacking in moral character. And he lacked willpower. And I blamed whoever looked right for the blame for that. I blamed his parents and, you know, his friends and his ex-wife. Oh, he had an ex-wife, by the way. No kids. We didn't come with kids, but we had an ex-wife. So anyway, uh, I just appointed myself the person in charge. Now, and I did it like that. I didn't sit down and Or I didn't think about it, and I didn't pray about it, and I didn't talk to anybody about it. I'm just in charge. Uh, Because obviously, he just doesn't know how to take care of things. And so I did all those things. You know, I paid the bills, blah, 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 blah. Um, And uh, things just got worse. Now, there's a line in the... In... uh, Well, what in the world? In our welcome. And it says, our thinking becomes distorted by trying to force solutions, and we become irritable and unreasonable without knowing it. Sometimes our literature is so simple that we miss things. And I would hear that, and what I would focus on was the second part, And I would think, God, that's an understatement, irritable and unreasonable. You know, how about about psychotic, neurotic, suicidal? But the first part of that says our thinking becomes distorted by trying to force solutions. And the more and the longer I try to force solutions the more distorted my thinking became. Um, I just, I began to just, you know, fall into an abyss. Um, I just would do some of the craziest things in the world uh, and go into places that, you know, I didn't need to be in a biker bar. And, you know, I was gonna, he's going to come home now. I didn't know what I, when I got him home, I never wanted him. Uh, I think, oh, my God, what did I do that for? And then I do it again, uh, you know, because he wasn't a pleasant drunk. And, I, you know, I hear people talk about that. I just can't relate to that because he was not a pleasant person. And so, uh, you know, we we eventually moved back to Arkansas, and we both got a job, and we worked in a, a town called Benton, which is not too far from where we live now. And, um. And things just, you know, they just continued on that vein. And there were all those things, you know, that go on. There were DWIs and uh, wrecks and uh, some of those, just all kinds of things. Uh, Infidelity. Very little violence in our home, but a lot of arguments and a lot of screaming. And uh, just, it, it just wasn't. It wasn't a nice place to be, and then, and you know, and now we have a child, and I had a son, and and I you know, I told myself that, well, i I'm okay. you know, I pay the bills, I go to work. Um, I keep the clothes clean. It's everything you know that I would go over in my mind that my mama would do, but I was consumed. I was obsessed with the alcoholic. I've heard it said, you know, the, the alcoholic is obsessed with alcohol and, and we are obsessed with the alcoholic. And I was obsessed. And, uh, and, and I just, as that obsession grew, I just lost myself. My total focus was on him. And, you know, I, I've thought about it since then. And, I, I, you know, I can't remember him asking me to do the things that I did. Um, I was just always Johnny on the spot, taking care of things, and I and I can't remember him ever asking me to do, to do the things I did, to give up the things that I gave up, um, but I was very resentful, um, and I, I, we were talking about it before the meeting, about playing that victim role. Because... And for me, you know, I can't say why other people do that. But when you're a victim, you don't have to be responsible. So you don't have to make a decision. And um, I was too scared to move one way or the other. Uh, I thought about divorce. We've heard this before. I thought about homicide. I thought about that a lot. (laughs) <laughs> and, but, you know, I really, I really thought about suicide and it, and it was, and, you know, we say that and we laugh, but there were times that, you know, I, that was how I felt, you know, what my only way out was. And I want to tell you how I got here, because this was what was going on in our lives. My, my husband, well, my husband and I both worked in a school system, and this wasn't really a very Big town at the time, and uh, he worked at one school, and I worked at another school. And so, um, um, and you know, I'm kind of like Teresa, I have like gray outs, and I, and I just can't remember things, I can't remember the circumstances. But uh, fortunately, There was a, it was part of the state hospital because treatment centers weren't a big thing back then. So um, somehow he ended up in the alcoholic ward at the state hospital. And I can't tell you how that happened. And um, so, and I was trying to think about what time period, we'd probably been married about four or five years, and uh, I made up some stupid story I know, I know those people that I worked for thought I was crazier than he was and uh, you know about where he was and what he was doing and so um, he was going to come home on a Tuesday and over the weekend um, I got up on Saturday morning and I can't really tell you that I prayed about this but uh, what I can tell you is I got up on that Saturday morning and I walked down the hall and sat down in the rocking chair and, and uh, I had a clear thought. Now, I haven't had a clear thought in a long time. And um, I thought, you know, my husband's an alcoholic and I'm going to have to learn how to live with that. Now, people had said to me he was alcoholic and, uh, man, it, it would fly all over me when people said he was alcoholic because uh, he was better than that. Uh, now, i called him all kinds of names, <laughs> but you don't need to be calling him an alcoholic.
1: <laughs> and
0: and the fact that I thought that I had anything to do with this was was contrary to anything I believed before and I have heard people talk about a window of grace and I believe for me this was a window of grace and I think God was preparing me Um, and so he came home and there was a group an AA group there in Benton that took meetings into that facility and he told me that he had met some people in AA and he was going to go to AA and there was a meeting there for the family I think he said the wives but anyway and I went the night came for us to go and I went with no expectation I was like a blank sheet of paper Um, and so I went in that room. I, I always love to reminisce about you know going to that meeting because it was in an old gas station, and they took the pumps out and everything. But they converted this gas station, and uh, and uh, there was smoke hung about you know about our level, and there was all these men in there, and they were uh, laughing and. Talking, nobody's listening. They're just all talking, slapping each other on the back, hugging people, and and uh, um, God, I just loved it. I just loved it. And they took me back and they showed me where the coffee was, and then they showed me where the Al Anon room was. And I'm I'm sure that this room that we met in was a, a utility closet. <laughs> I mean, really, I, I'm sure that's what it was. Uh, it wasn't big enough to be a bedroom. It was just a little room, and all these chairs lined up around the wall, and and uh, and people in there were old. They were like my age now.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I was in my twenties, so the closest person in age was probably around forty, and. Anyway, I don't, you know, we always worry about the newcomer and what do you say, the newcomer and blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't remember anything, so, you know, I don't ever worry about it. I think, oh, they're not going to remember this. Just smile at them and tell them you're glad they're back. Whatever. Uh, But what I do remember, I don't remember what people said, but I came away with the feeling that, um, that people understood uh, they talked about things that I had experienced and they talked about feelings that I had uh, and I'm telling you I was so shut down it was such a relief to know that this was happening in other people's homes and that they had found a solution And I tell this story every time and sometimes people go, but this little lady came up to me and she said, honey, you come back, it'll help your husband. Well, she just hooked me. I mean, really, I want to help my husband. So anyway, (laughs) so I kept coming back and, and there wasn't a lot of meetings back then even like in Little Rock, which is one of our bigger towns, um, and so we would get in the car and we'd go to different meetings, and you'd have the meeting before the meeting, and the meeting, then the meeting, and the meeting after the meeting, and uh, and it was just a a. a A growing time for me, and I listened. And I remember people talked about alcoholism being a disease, and I wasn't really buying into that. But I didn't want to tell them,
1: (laughs) uh, because
0: I really liked these people, and I I wanted to stay. But I didn't want to tell them I wasn't buying into that. And uh, how I. Came to believe that alcoholism is a disease is by going to open AA meetings. I was so resentful toward my husband that I didn't believe anything he said. But I came to believe when I heard so many people describe the things that were going on in our home, and I began to believe that was a disease, and I began to believe that um, my life could get better. Um. I got a sponsor and actually I got a I'm not going to tell you my first sponsor story because I'll probably be cry and I'll have mascara all over my face and whatever <laughs> so I'm a, I, I got this sponsor and um, so we began to work the steps and when we got to the steps that uh, mentioned God I I I was really, really uncomfortable. There's a line in one of our books that says, God is not a terrorist. And you know, I'm a school teacher, so I like to look up words. So I looked up the word terrorist. And a terrorist is somebody who controls by fear. And I really did look at God as a terrorist. I wouldn't have used that word, uh, but I looked at God as, some a being who was fickle,d um, who would uh, give you candy on one day and zap you the next day. You know, I didn't. It wasn't anything that I could trust in. And so finally, you know, she she was pretty smart and she picked up on on this stuff. And she said, "This is what I want you to do, and I want you to do it every day." Um, I want you to get on your knees in the morning and I want you to ask God to help you and I want you to get on your knees at night and I want you to thank him and I don't know why I did that because she told me to wasn't anybody watching me but I did it because she told me to and and I felt like my prayers went to the ceiling and they just fell on the floor and i and I'd get up off my knees and I'd just think this is stupidest thing
1: <laughs> and I kept
0: doing it and that's all I did that's the only prayers I said and it, it was less than a month and my feelings began to change this program amazes me because it it's just a wonder to me, it's a mystery so anyway, so we're on that little path and uh, so I continue to do that. You know, if I get in trouble today, I go back and do that. Um, it's just such a simple thing. This is such a simple program. Oh, geez. Anyway. So, um, you know, we got to... I kind of did this God thing as an experiment. So I started trying to turn little things over to God and see what would happen. I was just going to see what will happen. And, uh, And, you know, things, when you get yourself out of the way, what's supposed to happen, happens. And so when I was turning these little things over to God... Uh, I, did, I wasn't in control anymore. And I. I she also told me to keep my mouth shut. I said, you know, <laughs> don't tell him what to do. Don't ask questions. He is a God of his own. He is a sponsor. Turn him over to his sponsor. And uh, so anyway, I'm... I'm kind of doing my little experiment and, uh, and things are, you know, they're going pretty good and we're not fussing, we're not fighting. He's going to meetings, I'm going to my meetings, sometimes we're going to meetings together. Um, we had to learn how to talk to each other. One of my assignments was that uh, um, I was supposed to say something nice to my husband every day and the first day that I was supposed to do that, I just thought all day long, I was at work, and I was thinking, oh, my God, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? And so the only thing I could come up with was that he had pretty green eyes. And so he comes home, and, you know, I'm, like, waiting on him to tell him he has pretty green eyes, and he looked at me like I was from another planet. <laughs> like,
1: what?
0: You know, uh, but it was easier the next day. And it got easier and easier and easier. Uh, So I'm doing my little God experiment. And um, school had just started. And I taught math. And I had a, we we call them different things now. I don't know what they call them now. But I had what was called an accelerated class, which means the kids are smart. And I had a boy in that class, big old boy. And I was not as fluffy as I am now. I was much smaller. (laughs) And he probably made two of me. And his reputation had preceded him. And uh, I'd been told that he was trouble. But, you know, things were going along pretty good. And one day he got kind of smart with me. And and, you know, my mode of operation is if you get in my face, then I get in your face. And it doesn't matter to me if I have to get on a stepladder to do it. And because um, you need to know I'm in charge. You know, this is my classroom and I am in charge. And you're going to do what I say. That was my attitude. And that day, for whatever reason, probably because I got on my knees that morning and asked God to help me, I just kind of let it pass, but I thought I need to address this. And so I decided to address it at the end of class. And then I did something uh, foreign for me. I asked God to give me the words to say. And so class is over, and he comes by my desk. And I say, this is what comes out of my mouth. I have no thought of this ahead of time. This is what comes out of my mouth. Michael, you know, you're the smartest kid in this class. And it would really help me out a lot if you would treat me with respect. And he grunted at me. "Um." And I thought, oh, God. (laughs) what is wrong with me? This is, Lord have mercy. And so, of course, y'all know what happened. Um, I had, you know, maybe 25 kids. And I can tell you this was the best class I ever taught. Michael became exactly what I said. You know, maybe he needed to hear that. I don't know. Maybe I needed to say it. Uh, but as the year progressed, I was just awed. And, I, and you know, my, I began to believe I could accept that God would do for me what I could not do for myself. Um, anyway, <laughs> one of the nice things about that was that um, I met Michael's mother. At parent-teacher conference, and she came into my room, kind of uh, looking like uh, she wished she wasn't there, <laughs> like somebody might hit her. And so I began to gush over Michael and what a good student he was. And she said, "You know, I never hear that. Most of the time, I don't even come to parent-teacher conferences." Um, I was just so grateful to be able uh, to share that with her well you know things rock on I have a long story I've been here a long time Uh, Terry will probably be back there going so my husband
1: our marriage
0: ended And I'm going to tell you what it looked like from the outside, but um, I've come to believe it was something else. Um, He lost that job. He began to drink again. He stayed sober for a year. He began to drink again. Uh, He got a job uh, on the, um, anyway, we, we moved halfway in between where he had a job and we were both driving and uh, we moved to Little Rock when we were living in an apartment and we hadn't been there long at all and he moved out with this other woman (laughs) and uh, so um, I was just in shock I was in shock and you know uh, I just took a nose dive now I have a district office by now I'm involved in service and uh, I have a district office, and I'm just Looney Tunes. Um, and uh, I was a treasurer, for God's sake. I hope I don't owe him any money, but, you know. <laughs> I think the statute of limitations run out. Right
1: <laughs> God.
0: It was just beautiful. Um, and this is what I, this is how I felt, because I'm in that room, and you know, I started going to this group in Little Rock called the 120 1⁄2 Group. We used to be famous, you know, oldest this group west of the Mississippi. And, and there was uh, two past delegates and a current delegate. And, and I'm telling you, they meant business in that room. Uh, we studied the traditions. Uh, I mean, they, it, it, was, it was good, strong. Al-Anon. And I feel like I failed. You know, I failed Al-Anon. Now, there used to be an old lady in there. God love her, I shouldn't say that. There used to be a lovely old lady there. (laughs) (laughs) And she'd say, well, we may not save your marriage, but we'll save your sanity. And I don't like hearing that, so I just dismissed that. That's not going to happen to me. Uh, and I just felt like I'd failed al and i failed in life, and I, was, I did not want to be a divorced woman, and then I was determined I wasn't going to be a divorced woman. And so, uh, you know, I just didn't file for divorce. Well, I'm not a divorced woman. I mean, he may be living over there with somebody else, but I'm not
1: divorced. <laughs>
0: Oh, so anyway, I had I had already, you know, worked through my men's step. My sponsor suggested we may need to go back and start over, so we did that. I, you know, so we did that, and I did a couple of four steps, and
1: uh, I was really
0: angry, and I really talked ugly about him, and I talked to ugly. To him, and um, I just did all kinds of things and um, <coughs> finally, you know it's kind of like uh, and I think Teresa talked about it you know I was just a mess, and it been this had been going on for about eighteen months you know I mean that's I'm pretty dedicated to this not being a divorced woman and <laughs> I don't know what had happened, but it's identified. I mean, I was just bawling and squalling. And I I said, okay, Okay. God, you know, if you want me to be a divorced woman, well, I'm just willing. It's whatever. And, uh, but I wasn't, uh, I didn't do that humbly. (laughs) You know. Pretty mad the whole 18 months. And, uh, I was living in the worst place in Little Rock, and I got up that next morning, and it's was kind of like, it was just over. And I don't know how that happens, you know. I just gave up. And so I looked out, and this is what I see when I look out the window where I'm living. There's a dumpster right outside my window. And there's trash on the parking lot. And I'm living uh, in in a scary part of town. Back then they had Southwest, Southwest Little Rock Rapist was on the loose. And I mean, I had chairs up next to the door and things covering the windows and everything. And somebody came come by, did a drive-by shooting and shot out my back windshield. So I'm, I got, you know, this plastic stuff. I got up and I looked at the window and I thought, you know, I don't have to live like this anymore. And it was just over. And I filed for divorce, so I was a divorced woman. Um, and I'm, I remarried. I met, uh a couple of years later, maybe a little bit longer, I remarried. And um, a gentleman in the program... Um, I continued to go to Al-Anon, and, you know, it doesn't surprise me that I married somebody in the program. We speak the same language, and, uh, uh, you know, all this time I had this child that I'm dragging through all this nonsense, and uh, so uh, I was involved in service, and I stood for an area office, and I didn't get an area office. And somebody who didn't know what they were talking about said to me, Well, you're through. You know, you can't hold another office. And I believed them. I didn't question that. I don't know why. I had my head in the sand, I guess. Anyway, so uh, I... You know, I continue to go to Al-Anon. I have always gone to Al-Anon. I've gone to Al-Anon if I'm happy, if I'm sad. You know, I just feel at home there. And so uh, um, I was married to this gentleman, and we were married for 20 years. And I remember, uh, we am trying to think of what year it was, 1999. I came in the program in 1974. Uh, One of the things... One of the services that um, has been vital to my recovery is sponsorship. And I've I've loved to sponsor people, and I kind of grab them up. If they just kind of hint that they need a sponsor, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'll sponsor you. So um, (laughs) I'm sponsoring people, and learn a lot of things from the people I sponsor. I sponsor some of the most amazing women Mm -hmm. I've I just, it just blows me away. So, anyway, uh, um, first day of school, my husband had been to the doctor. He had a little problem. Thought he'd go to the doctor, and I called him, and I said, uh, what did the doctor say? And he said, the doctor says I have lung cancer.
1: And I was
0: like, oh, wow. And uh, so, when I got home, I said, I can't believe you told me that on the phone. And he said, well, what'd you call me for?
1: <laughs> <laughs> now,
0: we went to the doctor. And he gave us all this stuff. Uh, you know, and I was going to be a good alimon. I was. And I was just sitting there and I was listening and everything. And... Um, So the doctor says, uh, we can do chemo today, or we can wait till Monday and start. And my husband says, Well, I wanted to play golf tomorrow. And I went, What? (laughs) I said, Are you crazy? And then the doctor volunteered to leave the room,
1: and <laughs> so I got my way that day.
0: So anyway, uh, you know, I don't know how I would have made it through that um, if I hadn't been in Al-Anon because I hadn't had that experience. But I know that Al-Anon, this program, the God of my understanding uh was my strength, and I know that his program was his strength too um, He lived as about as they said about eighteen months, and that's about how long he lived. I had lots of help uh anytime you know we weren't just bombarded by people, but anytime we had a need uh, it was me somebody showed up and everything that we needed um i had taken out a cancer policy some uh years before that and we didn't it paid for everything and you know we just really didn't have very very many worries i have to tell you that my husband took radiation and chemo and he played golf
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> for six months he did that i was amazed. Um, so, during that time, my, my dad had gotten sick, too, and, um, I tried to, I, try, I I tried to be all things to all people, to tell you the truth, and, uh, I, was, um, I tried to help my mother with, with, uh, my dad, and, and, um, uh, tried to, um, uh, be of help and support to my husband. And then I was trying to work, too. Oh, we're just so fabulous, aren't we? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, if I had it to do over, I think I'd do it a little bit different. But um, anyway, my dad died, and a couple of weeks later, my husband died. And it was in May, and so school was about over. And, um, um, you know... I, What I know now is that I just, I don't know how to grieve. And I hit the ground running. Because, you know, if you you stop long enough, you have to do that. You have to grieve. And so I hit the ground running. And we buried my husband on Thursday and on Monday morning I was back at work. Um, I don't think that's an awful thing. Um, but I don't, for me, I don't think it was a very wise thing to do. And um, I sold my house in Little Rock that summer and moved back to where I was working. And um, and I played golf. By now, I'm, I'm playing golf, too, and I just played golf obsessively.
1: Um,
0: there were some people in the other program, in AA, and I'd been playing golf with them for a long time. And, and they were all guys, you know, and they just... You know, they just let me play off with them, and you know, if you get tired enough, you just go home, and fall in the bed, and you don't have to think about those things. So that's kind of how I did it, um, and that I, uh, my husband, been dead two, three years, and. You know, and I was just running with Alan on gals, and I was really kind of enjoying myself. And I had the people at work were very kind to me, and they everybody made sure that I had places to go. And I I said one time, you know, I went to birthday parties for people I didn't even know. You know, I just, I got invitations. You wouldn't believe it. They were so wonderful. And so uh, I went somewhere. Uh, one of those deals really kind of, I went somewhere I probably would never went because uh, there was some people there and I, and Al-Anon that were going to be there, and I wanted to see them, so I went, and that's where I met Tom. And uh, he, he, can I? Well, I'll just tell it, and then you can get on to me later.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway.
0: Um, I have to tell you also that I... I had, I knew he was in the program because I had seen him at conferences, and uh, and I had uh, admired him from afar. And uh, <laughs> and see, and and you know, I always say, well, you know, I may be married, but I'm not
1: blind, and so
0: uh, I, if I admire my neighbor's flowers, I'm not going to go over there and dig it up. I'm just going to admire it, see? So I had admired him from afar because he was married back then. So anyway, uh, so he's there with his friends from AA and uh, I'm there and we meet and so um, that's kind of how we got together and it's a lot of fun dating and AA, because then all my friends and you know, I had AA friends, and now all my friends in this little town, Benton, and they're just all concerned. Oh my God, they're all concerned. I, see, I'm too stupid to be concerned. <laughs> I'm not concerned. I'm in love. See, and he's in the program, so it's okay. And so, anyway, we got married. Uh, we did it like the alcoholic way, you know. We got married six months later. At least we, at least we waited six months. Hey. And, I, and so he moved to Benton. He had a job where, you know, he could work from anywhere. And I, was, and I had my life planned, see, about I, I know when I'm going to retire. I know where I'm going to live. I know how I'm going to live my life. And all that changed. Um, and I had bought this little house in Benton, it was real cute, had, it's blue and it had pink wallpaper. (laughs) (laughs) No rolls on the pillow. (laughs) And so, besides the fact that it was girly, um, it wasn't big enough for the two of us so uh, it was a nice house for a single person And so anyway we, we started looking around for another house and I was going to retire in a couple of years and so we moved to this uh, place called Hot Springs Village which is a retirement community and it's um, it's on the edge of the Ozark Mountains it's really really beautiful there um, and you know where I grew up? It's it was just like it was just dirt. It's farming community way off over there. You might see a tree that somebody left on a fence row. But I mean, everything's flat, and so we move over. hilly, and and they have deer, and and you can see deer in your yard, and it's just this lovely place. And so we move over there, and I worked for another year, and I didn't enjoy the drive. And so I retired, and six months after I retired, I, had, I went to, live with, to stay with my mother because my mother had Alzheimer's. Um, and I didn't realize it uh, because I'd been working, and I wasn't paying attention. And uh, uh, my mother had some other, she was diabetic, she had... Um, lupus and she she wasn't taking her medicine she thought she was taking her medicine but she wasn't and so we kind of did that deal I have a sister Uh, so my sister was still working and and we're trying to take care of her and um I finally had to my mother had a business a farm um I finally, I had to take her to court and get um, guardianship. And, you know, I can tell you this, and it doesn't take very long. Um, it just about ripped my heart out.
1: Okay. <laughs> I'll get over
0: it in a minute. so finally you know I mean the last six months we were thank you dear um or the last six weeks I was there 24-7 and I have to uh tell you that my husband was very supportive and bear in mind we hadn't been married but a couple of years and you know I just went off and stayed basically for six months and uh I brought her home and with me and that um and, you know, if you have any experience with that disease, then uh, you know that uh, every time you move them, they get worse. That's basically what happens. But, you know, I've been at... One of the things that helped me a lot is is I knew my mother was doing the very best she can because, she, or that she could because you've taught me that in, that pro, in this program that... People do the best that they can with what they know at the time. And she was doing the very best she could at the time. And so eventually uh, my sister worked some magic. I don't really want to know how she did it because I just don't want to know. But all of a sudden there's, you know, we're looking for uh, Alzheimer's units. And all of a sudden she calls me and she says, you know, at such and such place, they have a room, blah, 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 blah. We had to, and she told me what we had to do, and we did it. Now, my mother, years ago, had told me, she had two sisters who suffered from the same disease, and she made me promise her that if she ever got in that shape, that I would put her in a nursing home because she didn't want to hurt herself or hurt other people. Um, that should have been some comfort to me, but it wasn't. And I spent I don't know how much time beating myself up because I did not meet my expectations of what a daughter should do. I felt like I should be able to take care of her, and I felt like I should have been able to keep her at my home. And I just couldn't. <laughs> And uh, I would lay down at night, and I mean, I'd just go, Ooh. you know, I'd think about it, and I'd just, I'd just see that. I, uh, I just couldn't get over it. And I'd talk to my sponsor, and you know, they tell you reasonable things, but they're not talking to a reasonable person. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I knew it made sense.
1: <laughs> uh, so,
0: I wonder how much time I have. Probably not enough. Anyway, you know, back in the, I want to tell you how how all this ends. Or Terry will be back there going like this. Um, Back last year, uh, first of the year actually, my husband quit smoking. I was supposed to go to the delegates meeting in March, and about a week before that he just has this big meltdown at me. And I'm like, oh my God. And, uh, you know, we're supposed to say, I'm sorry you feel that way.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: oh. <laughs> yes.
0: Well, I was just speechless. I mean, it just came out of left field. And, and, of course, you know, he knows what to do. And he leaves and he goes to his sponsor's house. and I, And my default position is I need to stay here and make this right. But that's not what I did. I, I knew I had this trip planned, I made the decision to go on and do that and I did that and I went off with these three crazy women I met Sylvia there, we shopped, we ate we shopped and then we ate and <laughs> we we ate our way to Kansas, we ate our way back uh, And and you know, in the meantime, Tom and I talked on the phone and so I knew he wasn't like going to be gone when I got home, uh, which was kind of my fear. And uh, You know, I, I always blow things way out of proportion, and I can take that and run it to the end of the line, and it's never anything good. It's always the worst case scenario. That's one of my defects of character uh, that I have to watch for. And so, this is what happens. Um, I get home on Monday. On Tuesday, I go to a meeting. There's this little lady. She's been coming to our meeting, and she's She's talking, and she said, well, I know I need to get a sponsor. And I said, yeah, I'll be your sponsor. And uh, she said, well, I know you're busy. And I said, I'm not that busy. I'll be your sponsor. And uh, so uh, I started sponsoring her. I started working with her. Um, And I may not have helped her at all, but, I mean, she helped me tremendously. Because when I sponsor people I go through the steps And so I started going through the steps And I You know I do kind of a uh, An expanded form Of what it says in the big book And so we do the columns And you know I'm not talking about My mama I'm not even You know it, It's like a pain that I've learned To live with And um so, you know, I'm, we're doing our resentments, and, and, and we're talking about all that and everything. And I'm at a meeting on Wednesday night, and I don't remember what the program was on, so but I'm going to read to you what it says. And there's no way for me to tell you uh, how, you know, what a difference it's made for me. But one of the things that I started doing is praying. uh, When I go to a meeting, is asking God to open my mind and open my heart to hear what other people have to say. So they read this in the meeting, and it says, Regrets are vain. They interfere with the good I could do today. The making of the better person I want to be tomorrow Condemning ourselves for mistakes we have made is just as bad as condemning others for theirs. We are not equipped to make judgments, not even of ourselves. In that last sentence, I thought, oh my God, you know, I did just what I did almost 40 years prior. I looked at that, I passed judgment on it, and then I treated that as if it was reality. And I had judged myself, I had found myself lacking, and I was carrying that guilt around with me. And so, every morning, I read this, and uh, I don't... I don't have those memories anymore, and I'm not carrying that guilt around. Not to say I couldn't pick it up again, but <laughs> but today I'm free of that. I have no way of knowing if I did the right thing or not, uh, but I know that my God is the only one with the wisdom to judge me, and He's. Also a forgiving God, and I feel forgiven. Um, well, anyway, so you know we're working on that. It's a funny thing happened with that. I just wanted to tell you. So we do, we do our little uh, resentment thing, and uh, she does her fifth step, and I say, now I say, there's always something you've left out. So you be sure and calm me, and. Uh, so I see her at the meeting and I said, did you think anything you left out? No. Didn't think anything left out? Well, I thought of two things. Now, she hadn't thought any yet, but I thought, you know, last time I did this, I had these two people on my resentment list and they're still here. And uh, so, <laughs> you know, uh, God works in mysterious ways. Um. You know, for a long time, my husband, my first husband that brought me to this program got killed in a car wreck. Um, He was 60 years old, too young to die. He was living on the street in a tent. Never been able to get this program. Um, When that happened, my son came home and. I went with him. We cleaned out the truck and we did the, you know, I helped him with the funeral and everything. And, you know, this thought came to me that uh, if I had not been in this program, I wouldn't have been able to keep my mouth shut. And it wasn't even a chore to keep my mouth shut. God, you know, this program and the God in this program had removed all of that stuff from me. And I realized, you know that we were just sick people doing what sick people do. And, and you know, if, if we can't let go of that, we'll never get well. And so I was there for my son. Uh, I was able to be uh, kind to the family. I was glad to see them. And I was sad for him that he never was able to enjoy any any sort of or any length of sobriety, and I was sad for my son because his disease had taken him away so early. Um, You know, all weekend long I tried to come up with something to uh, close, and I found it this morning when I read my daily reading. (laughs) And it's not actually the 21st. It was on the previous page. Oh, you know, if I forgot to tell you, you know, uh, as, as I worked through these steps and as Tom worked with his uh, sponsor, you know, we kind of got through our little deal and, and I think quit smoking, had a lot to do with it myself. <laughs> Um, and I love him very much. I appreciate everything that he does for me, and uh, and how supportive he's been to me. This is on July the 20th, and it's just change is inevitable. We can depend on that. When we become willing to accept change, we make room for a loving God by letting go of our efforts to influence the future. We, come, we become freer to experience the present, to feel all our feelings while they're happening, and to more fully enjoy those precious moments of joy with which we are blessed. Thank you very much.